Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. And we're back, Mr. Edge. Episode 81. Can you believe it? 81 times people have had to listen to us and sometimes a guest uh, discuss livestock, specifically show stock, and it's been fun. It's exciting. We're throwing around the idea of a 100th episode celebration. Ooh, yeah. So Only, Only if there's a live band. I would just curious to know of our listeners out there, if you want this celebration any way, shape, or form, barring COVID and all this crap. But if that's a thing, would you be interested? Let's just touch the waters a little bit. See, see what's out there. Talk, talk, 100th episode celebration. Yeah. we got to figure out the date that that's going to air. I haven't even looked that far. Well, well, obviously December. I mean, towards the end of the year, being every week. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look at that. It'll be close to Christmas time, probably. But, um, yeah, just something I, I was... Uh, I was kind of thinking about so huh uh we really can't have an office christmas party considering there's an east and a west of divisions yeah so we'll yeah so i was we'll thinking look. open it up to the to our loyal listeners and get you a ticket get in the door have some fun let's uh let's rent out like lucas oil stadium or something yeah yeah <laughs> and maybe take up like the first row maybe <laughs> Uh, we'll have somebody parachute in with an American flag. We'll get Cody Johnson to sing the national anthem. Oh boy, now we're talking. We'll have Pat a McAfee will be the the evening entertainment. Yep. Oh. I think let's roll with it. Sweet. Somebody uh, send us your ideas. Donations too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of donations, you know what you should donate your time to today. I think I know where you're going with this. Getting on WaltonWebcasting.com. Oh. Uh, so clutch. So I, uh, you know, I was at OYLE for a little bit and I had to get back, um, because I haven't spent much time at home, which we'll discuss later. Had a one crazy week and, um, boy, Walton came in clutch to see the grand drive there at OYLE and, um, such a high class event in itself. Uh, shout out to those folks who put that on and that was the last weekend we had every other species before then um but yeah walton webcasting uh i was getting notifications like all day even at oyle that they were in iowa they were uh indiana all over the place of course uh now you can go back and watch them if you missed it yeah now folks please if you would get on your pull out your phone i know you're probably listening to us on your phone anyway so pull out your phone go to your facebook page search Walton Webcasting Live, and then ask to join that group. Because if you are not a part of that group, you will not be able to watch on social media. Uh, join that group. So that way you get notifications when the shows are live. It's super it's like, clutch. Yeah. It really, so it's like, oh, crap, the grand drive's going on. Bloop. And and for those that are curious as to why that's a thing, it's because PETA and other activist groups are idiots. Uh, deemed those inappropriate so let's just enjoy our private group while we still can that's right and another one that's uh that's very clutch in this conversation we're having today is show cattle connection uh they're just about as everywhere as walton is as far as high quality stuff and all over the country um 
we've talked about this every time we have a cattle guest, or even if we don't, but they're a group of people that are there to help you. They're ambassadors. Um, they're the best in the business. And if you're looking to sell your cattle, they will line you up. Or if you have a couple questions about how to purchase, when to purchase, just get on showcattleconnection.com, and they're going to lead you right in the right direction. And I would suggest you see the lineups that's coming up here in late August. So mark them down. Go look at them things. Get them bought. Good thing that they're not leading you right in the left direction. They're leading you. <laughs> that's right, true. Right. That's right. That's right true. in the correct direction. Yeah, so I, uh, I had one hell of a week, and it was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, I was kind of all over the place. So as you know, we were in uh, Walton, Indiana. Of course, I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. We were in Walton Tuesday. But we did our episode on Wednesday, and in our episode, I said we were at two places at once. Not really. Truthfully, we were not. Yeah, that's yeah. that's correct. I honestly didn't even catch that because I feel like we covered a lot in last week's episode. That was that was blast, and there there was a lot of people who has stopped me in person and texted me about how awesome that was and how funny oh, it was. So and those YouTube episodes are fun, just because we're obviously together, and you know, yeah. And so, just to go on through my my week here, I went from there, uh, from Walton, then went to another past guest and great friend, uh, Jordan Marks and his family, stayed at Hotel Marks. So, I want to get into this a little bit later in our Hats Off segment, but um, stopped at All Glaze and saw, saw the Sheep's Show, and uh, Sheep Show, good set there. Um, I think they had a successful run with the Preble County, that was a good set of pigs I judged over there. And then I went from there, slept at home for a couple hours. Shout out to Robert Scholl. He came. And then we went from there to PA the next day, judged in Fayette County, Pennsylvania. Um, really good show over there as well. Got up the next morning, then went through Hilties. That was a hell of a experience. My gosh, sows make your mouth water. Um, really good set in the nurseries. I mean, he just kind of gave us the grand tour, so I really appreciate uh, Hilti letting us uh, look through the stuff there has um, a particular boar. That's all I'm going to say. Male pig. Boy pig, that's a good pig. I don't boy think he wants more out there, so I'm going to leave it at that. Ah. Yeah, so Neat. stay in tune with what Hilti's gone on there. Of course, he just had uh, champion light cross. I believe that one at OYLE was a Hilti pig. Uh, they, we're not getting paid for this at all, but just good good people, good stock. Um, and then uh, saw some other boars that's heading to Indy. Then I finally came home for a little bit, went from there to clip pigs down in uh, southern Ohio and uh, stayed down there. So I haven't seen Emily very much this past week, but uh, yeah, it was uh, quite the run, and it's not even over yet. Yeah, I feel like uh, my week was fairly busy as well um a lot of fun and walton with the uh, purina feed greatness show camp that was good by the way um this isn't continuing the walton ad but if you would uh, or, or wanted to go on and watch trevor and i kirk steerwalt and mike witty discuss sheep goat hogs cattle on the purina uh feed greatness show camp you can go to walton webcasting and it's free to view so you don't need a subscription Pretty neat. So, uh, anywho. All right. Trevor, um, 
You want to do hats off first or? So that's what I was getting ready to say. Um, back by popular demand. And it was so much fun last week. We have to keep it rolling. Breed one chip, yep. one show one is, is going to give it some CPR. We're going to bring it back to life. So I say, let's just jump into that. Okay. And then, um, and then we'll go to hats off. So, enough. all right. Maybe I need another jingle. Maybe I don't. But breed one chip, one show one, Corey. I'll let you go first this time. You got a Tamworth guilt. Wait, wait, wait. This, this, uh, if I remember right, you were telling me this breed one chip, one show one is going to be like flipping the script a little bit. Compared to what yeah, you'll find out pretty quick what the, the, what we're going for here. All right, go. So breed one chip, one show one. Got Tamworth guilt, who, if she weren't, runs fast enough, she may burn the barn down with a spark at her hawks. And she has extra dew claws on all four feet. Okay. You got a Chevy at you with a tail so long that she may step on it when she backs up. Thanks. And her chest is so deep that I'm pretty sure you could uh, plant corn by the trench she leaves with her right. breastplate. Okay. You've got a belted Galloway heifer with a bobtail. Um, this thing, uh, I think the Chevy at used tail may be longer than it, but this belted Galloway female um, isn't such a good grower. She's a little pocket pet. And um, just uh, probably not the quality you're going after. So a little bit different scenario than last week. Not mm -hmm. the best ones you've ever seen. But maybe what are you going to do with the ones that you've got available? Breed one, okay. chip one, show one. Go. Uh, I am going to uh, breed the Belted Galloway. Okay. Because I feel like... You could at least maybe make some money back in the cattle market with that one, maybe selling, you know? Okay. Uh, I'm going to ship the Chevy U because that scenario with a with a plow for a chest floor and an elongated tail on a sheep makes me throw up in my mouth, and I can't handle that. So <laughs> that, one, that one's gone. And then I'm going to show the Tamworth guilt because here's what you can do. Uh, surgically remove the dew claws and then just get a showman that's good enough to jack her head up and step behind that uh, fire burning hawks that she's got <laughs> and just pray that you can get a good enough look from the profile <laughs> and not uh, get kicked out for having extra dew claws. So, wow. okay. Yeah. That's Break the out, ship, the sheep show the guilt. Yeah. Boom. Interesting. You, you survived on the fly. I'd good. probably I'd probably have to do the same thing to be honest with you. I mean, I did the best I could describing the livestock here, but we all know as judges when you get those in the ring, it's like um, young lady there that rounds out the class just needs a little bit more width. Uh, thanks for coming. I uh, my my phrase is uh, if I see one I don't like at the end of the class, um, it'll be uh, looks like this has been a nice project for this young showman. Needs this this and this. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Nice like your project shirt. is my term for bad livestock. Yeah. In, uh, or productive. No, oh, that's not even productive. Anyways. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, we need those guys that are listening and girls that are listening. Please send us your breed one, ship one, show one. And they don't have to be all three. And they don't even have to be all three separate species. They can be all the same species. All the same species. Or it, what? I got one for you right now coming off the top of my head. Oh, crap. Here we go. All right. Here we go. We've got a a 
Santa Gertrudis bull that's twisted nutted and long pasterned. Okay. But incredibly fertile. With twisted nuts. With twisted nuts. Incredibly fertile. Okay. Uh, you've got a, a shorthorn heifer that's no gutted, but low birth weight and milks like a freight train. And then you've got a, uh, you've got a purebred Angus that is the stoutest one you've ever seen, but incredibly straight off both ends and has some three auxiliary teats. Go. Three auxiliaries. All right. Whoa. Hmm. Read one chip, one show one. Go. All right. So I, since the bull is so fertile, I think that's when you got to breed too, because at least you'll get a little bit of revenue and they don't have to be show animals. Santa Gertrudis? Uh, okay, whatever. It's your deal. Okay. You're going to breed the bull? Breed the bull. I'm going to show. Mm. Boy, this is a tough one, Corey. Shorthorn or a big muscled straight legged Angus. See, now that I'm looking at this, if the shorthorn is low birth weight and high milk. All right, I'm flipping the script here. I'm showing the Angus, although I'm, I don't want to be seen with it. You're going to get, yeah, you're going to get waxed no matter what you do, I think. Yeah, at least it's stout, whatever. Let's just get her out of the ring. Yeah, I'm breeding. I'm breeding. The, I'm breeding the shorthorn heifer because although she's got no guts, at least she's low birth birth You're weight. Ship the bull now. I got shipped the bull. Yeah. Ah, <sighs> see, I never say anything about the bull structure, so I would take the twisted. So here's here's a scenario. I would I would show the bull. I would breed the shorthorn and I would ship the Angus. That's just me though. Yeah. Interesting scenario. I just came up with that on the fly. Yeah, you just wasted. That could have been next week's. Dang it. They're okay. meant to be debatable topics. It's okay. We'll come up with another yeah, one. Yeah, we don't have to be. We don't have to be on on the same track. But yeah, I think I think it's what I do. Okay. So, all right. Well, it's about that time for hats off. And I'll go first because I can't wait to tell this story. I was at All Glaze County. Great facilities. Great people. Please donuts. What's that? All glazed, like glazed donuts. Yes, yep. Uh, really good county, by the way. Um, so after the sheep show, I was staying with the Marks and the Markses, just uh, talking to some folks, and uh, we were uh, just chatting, and then we heard this, and chains banging everywhere. Jordan and I about got our lives ended by a big, overweight dairy steer. I mean, uh, full, full blow, heading out the out the door. The doesn't. reason my hat goes off to the showman of this cattle, this steer, because he hung on the entire time. He didn't let go, and he, this thing was dragging him for at least thirty yards, just all across the midway, 
out through the grass and this dude was hanging on until finally he got on into some gravel and he let go but yeah he was he was they were taking him for some some warm-up laps and uh they were you know getting the getting the cattle adjusted to new environments very smart idea and yeah. uh didn't like something on the other end of the barn and gonzo the funnel cake that's all hats off to the showman though tough guy wow so you have it. Cue the music. Um, my hat, uh, my hat goes off this week um, because I had an opportunity to be at the first weekend of the, of the Indiana State Fair Livestock and Project Showcase. Mm-hmm. My hat goes off to every single volunteer that's a part of that effort. Um, crazy times, obviously, that we live in, and. Uh, so, some parts of it was weird. Don't get me wrong, but some parts felt normal, and it was really cool to uh, to be able to witness uh, the Grand Drive, and you know, it was still Grand Drive at the Coliseum for the Indiana State Fairgrounds. And uh, if it wasn't for people sticking their necks out and making sure that things ran smoothly, we wouldn't have had a, a show that first weekend at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. So very cool. My hat goes off to you, folks. Especially if you're listening to this, thank you. I, I I felt compelled to say thank you every time I saw somebody in a blue shirt. And not just like a random person, but somebody that had the Indiana State Fair logo on their shirt. Because um, I don't know if they were being thanked or not. And if they were, great. If not, I feel, I feel like I did it. So Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, that uh, excellent hats off is, of course, brought to you by Fierce Threads. We love our guys at Fierce Threads. Uh, yeah. If if you got your apparel line ready to be made, it needs to be done by Fierce Threads and the Big Paul Lifestyle Company. Um, load up on that. Get ready for the fall. Their stuff is amazing. Fall, y'all. Fall, y'all. All right, Corey, who do we got on this week? Well, it was interesting because I got this Snapchat um, and a couple of Facebook messages, oh, probably months ago, honestly about having our guest on today. Um, man, what a, what a good human, uh, just, you know, really, really intriguing thought provoking conversation is about to be had with a man, uh, that flew cross country to find a heifer. That was a show show heifer of the decade nominee. Well, if you don't know, that's 10 years. Just so, just so everybody knows. Anyway, um, really excited to have uh, our guest on for this week. Let's welcome Mr. Barry Nawaski to Stock Talk. Corey, I'm pretty excited about this weekend. This was your lead this time. You, uh, Not that you don't do other guest lineups in the past, but this was all you. I uh, had minimal to do with setting this up. So how about you take the reins to begin our episode, and we can introduce our great guest ha- that we have this week. It's a little weird for me, but glad to do it. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> so, uh, Barry, let's, uh, let's get started. I, I mentioned off-air that uh, there were several Snapchat requests and Facebook messages about getting you on the show and getting a little bit to, uh, of your background and maybe different topics we can cover here. So if you would, uh, for our listeners that don't know who Barry Nowatsky is, give us a little background about yourself, 
uh, where you're from and kind of what you do for a living. Well, I'm, I'm from Michigan city. Uh, the actual farm that we, we run our operation off of is where I grew up. Um, so I'm grew up right here in Michigan city. And, uh, when I was younger, my, my father had a small farm. Uh, he had some shorthorn cattle and really, um, you know, didn't do it to a, a very high level. Uh, we, we showed in 4-H and that's kind of how we, how I got started, uh, you know, with the interest in the show cattle. Um, but when we showed, we, uh, you know, we was always kind of bringing up the tail end. <laughs> so, uh, we didn't have anything very, very good at, when I got started. So that's kind of, that's kind of where it all began. So, so with your interest in show cattle, um, you know, like you said, kind of grew up showing short horns and stuff and, and maybe some other things, uh, what, what, or who I should say, um, was kind of instrumental in getting you involved uh, to the level that you are now in the cattle industry. Well, there's many people, uh, that have helped me along the way. And, uh, you know, I'll just run through a few, uh, that, you know, when I got started, um, again, when, when we, when we, when I was showing in 4-H, I mean, we would, we'd gather our cattle three weeks before the show and work on them for a little bit and drag them to the county fair. And, and I always tell this story to, to some of the guys that come around and help us and they get a good kick out of it, um, given where we're at today. But when I was younger, uh, to tell the level of, the kind of low level of cattle that we showed, I showed a shorthorn steer at our county fair two years in a row. <laughs> and the first year he weighed 850 pounds and the second year he weighed like 1180. So that's kind of what I got started with and what I had to deal with. And I really took a liking to it and got to watching as I got older into my 4-H years and, you know, got passionate about it probably one of the first people that I watched and, and it was just at kind of the county level, but I'm from the same County that, uh, uh, Mike wrist is from. And, uh, Mike was, you know, or still is known pretty much nationally. And, and back in those days, uh, he sold some really good steers and, you know, they would win our County fair quite frequently, um, with cattle that he showed. So, you know, I watched uh, him and Skip Wright, how they, you know, selected their cattle and how they clipped them. And, and Mike was one of the first guys that actually, uh, you know, had me help him do some clipping, you know, beyond the, the county level. So, um, you know, that was kind of a, one of the first people that, that gave me an opportunity to uh, do anything beyond just being at the county level. Um you know, and then once, uh, once I got to doing that, I, I met some more people and, and I'm a big believer that, uh, the best way to learn how to do something is just watch somebody that's really good at doing it. So through helping Mike, um, I got to know, uh, people, you know, clear across the Midwest. And one of the next people that I consider was a stepping stone for me was Kent Haberger and, uh, Kent, uh, you know, he, he had an unfortunate farm accident and, 
and passed away here years ago. But Kent was one of the first guys that invited me uh, by Mike's rep- recommendation to come to his place and actually clip the sail cattle. Hmm. Um, so I did that for a couple years, and then then I got to helping. Oh, I I clipped for Stoltz's in uh, in Nebraska and several other people who had club calf sales back. Uh, that would have been in the mid '80s, late '90s, probably. I guess I'm sorry, late '80s, early '90s. Um, <clears throat> I, you know, I got to doing that, and then probably the next stepping stone as uh, a great friend of mine is he's seen the way I clipped cattle at Haberger's was Bob May, uh, and Bob invited me to come up there and help him clip some cattle to get ready to go to I think it was Sioux Falls or one of those big prospect shows and once I went up there it was like I didn't leave I I stayed around there for you know four five six years I would uh anytime there was a show to get ready for I'd be at Bob's two weeks ahead of time clipping everything and and just pretty much helping getting ready for those shows um so that kind of snowballed into um i began partnering with bob on buying and selling some some steers and at this time i didn't have much of a cow herd around home um but i slowly began to build it so when i'd come back home for the summertime i started renting a little pasture um bought some some heifers uh kind of with bob and we bred them and then you know we're sold them as bread heifers and slowly I started to get some more pasture around home and, and build a cow herd. So, um, that's kind of, kind of how it all got started. And, and some of the most, you know, influential people that helped me get to where we're at today. So, so what a lot of those cows that, that you had purchased with, with Bob, um, you know, did some of those end up in integrating into the start of your cow herd or were those just strictly, um, you know, just kind of trading and, and, uh, selling some bread? They did. I started like in those days, it was pretty much all club calf stuff. Mm-hmm. So what we would do is we would go, you know, out to, and look around out West and Bob would buy a large group of, I mean, buy pot loads at a time of open heifers. Uh, main Angus and semi Angus. And what I would do is I'd buy, I don't know, anywhere from 15. Uh, I think the most I did was 25, but I'd kind of pick one or two of the favorites and I would, I would kind of put those back and, and that's what I used, used to start my cow herd. Um, and when we started, we was trying to raise club calves. Um, so uh, that was a beginning of it. Uh, and then what happened is as I progressed in building a cow herd, I started paying attention to probably another person that's, uh, helped me along the way and, and been very good to me is Mike Hartman. Um, and Mike was in the main and Jew business at the time. And then I started paying attention to the main and Jews, uh, that Hartman sold. And then we would go down to Gerald Buck's. Uh, him and Bob were partners and had a steer sale uh, twice a year. So we'd go down to Gerald's and he kind of got started in the mains and I paid attention to what Gerald was doing as well. And that sparked an interest uh, in the main and Jew deal. Uh, and then I kind of started making that transition from the club calf to the mains. And that would have been 
probably mid late nineties when that happened, I'd say. Hmm. Uh, it's a, it's so fascinating to, to hear these stories from, from guys like you to, to see exactly how they got you start. Cause there's, there's also guys listening to this that are, um, our age, of course, and our age and younger and thinking, man, you know, we're getting our start and, and here you are. Uh, several years later, doing doing things at a high level. Now, a topic that we wanted to discuss is very interesting to me and always has been, is phenotype versus genotype. And maybe let's throw in EPDs in there. That in And how do you emphasize uh, one over the other? You know, pedigrees are, are something that we're all interested in. Um, but that let's also talk EPDs in and outside of the show ring and, and how that weighs on your decisions when purchasing some of those pieces. Well, I'll kind of fast forward or finish up maybe uh, what we were previously talking about, and that'll get us to, you know, my focus now, which is phenotype and in EPDs, because of course in the club cast there 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 are none. And in the mains, they get very little attention. Um, so when my oldest son, uh, become age and, you know, he, he become old enough to show, um, we were having a main and juice sale at the time and I wanted to, to get into a breed for him, <clears throat> excuse me, that we could not compete against our customers. So I got drawn to the Angus and I started buying him Angus cattle his first year in 4-H he bought him a heifer and then that kind of snowballed from there. And eventually I just decided we didn't have room for two breeds. So we, we kind of, we kind of took off with this Angus thing and we wind up dispersing our mains to blind badger ranch, <coughs> ranch in Colorado. Um, and today we're, we're, you know, in the Angus business, we're working on putting together our third production sale. And when we started in the Angus, we were, you know, focusing on the show cattle. So we were focusing on phenotype. Um, and once we got into that and got to showing those uh, Angus cattle that we were buying, um, the other thing caught my attention was, you know, some of these guys selling these numbered cattle or EPD cattle. Um, so I started, you know, paying some attention to those as well. And we had some success uh, in the show ring showing these Angus cattle. And as I, as I looked at the show cattle and as I looked at these uh, numbered cattle uh, or EPD cattle, as I call them, um, I, I got an idea in my head and a few of the Angus breeders I, I mentioned it to, they said it can't be done. And I, I just have this thought that why can we not make one that's big numbered uh, that can go to the show ring and be competitive? And we're focusing on that. We're taking our phenotype or our showbred cattle, and we're wanting to incorporate these EPDs. Uh, today, dollar C is, is the big number a lot of guys are chasing. Dollar C, dollar B. Um, you know, marbling, weaning, yearling weight. Um, so we are, I mean, we, we kind of have two sets of cattle, but our end goal is to try to take those two sets of cattle and through, you know, progression and, and, and a lot of ET work that we do, um, 
you know, blend those together to where we have cattle that are good enough to go to a show, say at Denver and be competitive and, and, you know, maybe ultimately try to win a show like Denver with an Angus female that's 300 plus dollar C. Um, so I know that probably don't get into little details about the EPDs, but in our program, we want to try to, to combine both. And, and I know it's going to be difficult and I know it's going to take some time, but I think we can breed these cattle and, and focus on, you know, big numbered, big EPD cattle, uh, cattle that DNA really well, but also make them have the type of phenotype that the show uh, crowd is looking to buy. So when that, it's an interesting breeding strategy and something that obviously uh, some some of those other breeders that you talk to um, struggled to kind of relate to or think that it can happen. And and the reason I wanted to talk about this is specifically because um, knowing and, and hearing through others um, that emphasis on trying to blend the right phenotype to be competitive in the show ring, like you mentioned, and yet still having the numbers that, you know, the commercial producers are, are really chasing after. And is that something that prior to, um, you know, this, this thought process, I guess, did the show ring in your opinion um, need the EPD cattle? Like, you know, um, I guess these commercial outfits would like, or, you know, did they lose track of it because they were trying to make them, you know, phenotypically more impressive? Uh, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Well, I think in the show ring, <clears throat> and I think you could take this, uh, you know, not just the Angus cattle, um, but I'll go back and I'll, you know, I'll include the mains and, and let's even, let's even throw the club calves in there. Um, I think if these breeders that are raising these cattle for the show ring, keep them functional and, and keep them, uh, how should I say, you know, just because a female has more of one particular trait, say bone or body or muscle doesn't make her good. If she is just complete and well-balanced, and fault free, in my opinion, this is what makes them good. And there's, in in my opinion, also there's far too many guys judging these shows that do it on single trait selection. I mean, they're out there and they want the coolest necked one, or the biggest boned one, or the biggest bodied one. Um, and to me, it should be the one that has the least faults to them, mm-hmm. the one that is the most complete. So in saying that, if we can get a functional cattle in the show ring, they're going to work back in the commercial deal too. So why can't we make them functional and practical and not maybe be the freaky ones as, as would be the show ring term, you know, uh, stay away from those freaky ones. And I think the numbers, I think your EPDs will actually get better if, if we stay away from those types of cattle, hmm. because I think there, I think they, there's some correlation there between practical cattle that will work in an everyday operation and, and your, your EPDs. I, I really do think there's a core, there's, there's a, 
there's a correlation there that that just the practicality of those cattle, you know, help those numbers, the number profile. Yeah, it's uh, it, Corey. This brings me back to the old uh, collegiate livestock judging days, and you'll get some of those coaches who harp numbers, and and when you look at the cattle or whatever they are out there, uh, and it's really fascinating when some of those line those uh, numbers match up with phenotypic, and and those are the ones you hang on to, and uh, you kind of keep around for quite a while, and and honestly, like you said, the closer those numbers are to also phenotype. Uh, those are the ones you need to rep- replicate. Tarbell Marketing and Design. Design, design. Just kidding. Uh, Tarbell Marketing and Design, Jace, uh, that was as close as we're getting so far to the Monster Truck ad read. It's when it happens, we're not even going to, you're not going to know. Oh, yeah. But it's going to be great. So, Tarbell Marketing and Design, again, if we haven't said it enough, uh, you know, or if you've never listened to us before, just go back and listen to a previous episode. Tarbell Marketing and Design is the absolute best group to work with when it comes to print ads, logo design, creative assets, marketing, your business, your your operation, whatever it is. Get a hold of Jace Tarbell at Tarbell Marketing and Design. Tell them that you talk to the guys at Stock Talk and he'll give you 15% off if it's your first time using TMND. Anyway, let's get back to the show. So another topic that we'll jump to here is uh, putting together a bull sale. That's something that you're successful at. And we want to jump into the do's and the don'ts. And and before we got on air, uh, we kind of talked about how it's about that time now. Um, so how do you do this in your animal bull sale and more so anyways, getting those bulls in the right shape to look the best when it comes for sale time? Okay. Well, I would say, uh, you know, I've, I've, we've done one bull sale and we did it online, um, which we intended to have a live auction, uh, and, and given the, the, you know, the situation with the COVID thing right now and, and back in March, we, we shifted gears from a live sale to an online sale. Um, so there would be a lot of people that are, have more experience in this than I do, but in our operation and in what our focus is when we began to put this bull sale together, um, you know, we, we going back to the phenotype and genotype, uh, you know, we wanted bulls that, would please the eyes, but also, you know, we want to raise bulls that the commercial guys can look at the paper and think they're going to take them home. And those bulls will improve their cow herd. Um, so that was our first thing. And, you know, as far as selecting the ones that we kept uh, bulls to feed and get ready for our bull sale was the selection process. Uh, and that's how we selected the bulls that they were, you know, those big numbered bulls or those bulls that were really good, uh, phenotype, them are the ones we chose. Uh, and then going forward, just, uh, kept our bulls on a good mineral program. Um, and I'm a kind of a firm believer of keeping these breeding cattle fresh, um, and getting those bulls to gain as much, uh, as high a weight per day of age as we could get them without getting them, too fat um because i see you know if i see an issue in some of these cattle sales that i uh attend 
or, you know, will go to and look through people's cattle uh, and also in the show ring is there's so many of these cattle that just get overconditioned. Um, and when, say, a bull, and for instance, uh, you turn him out on a set of cows and he's out on grass, I mean, he's going he's gonna to melt. He's going to lose his, his uh, you know, that fat's going to melt off him. It's going to be harder for him to breed cows just in, because of fertility uh, issues that you get when you get them too fat. So uh, we focus on that, uh, trying to get those bulls to gain as much as they can uh, without getting them overconditioned. So Barry, you're, you know, we, we talked, you know, first bull sale happened this year and, and I guess, you know, for, for some, some younger listeners, maybe for some experienced breeders, um, you know, when do you know, or, or is there a point in time where you decide that, you know, your genetics, um, you know, as far as serving a customer base merits, having a, a production sale like that with, with a group of bulls. Uh, at what point did you kind of sit back and say, Hey, you know, it, it's probably time that we put something together, um, for, for our customers to, to grab a hold of. Well, <clears throat> that's, that's a kind of a tricky question. And, and anybody that's out there that's trying to raise, um, females, be it show heifers or, you know, even breeding stock, um, you're going to have bull mates to those females and those bull mates, um, they need to, um, in my opinion, you need to market those bull mates to those females, you know, to your customers, because one, if, if, if your females that you're selling and, and you're offering for sale are sought after, those bulls should have some, some value and some traits that people are also wanting. Um, but with that, I mean, it, it's almost a necessity to, uh, especially a purebred operation to have a bull market. Um, you know, the, the cost of IVFing these cattle and, and making all females is so high anymore. And, uh, you're, you're just going to have a, a percentage of bulls and, you know, marketing them is very important. So, when is it time? I think that's something you need to think about when you start your operation. You need to have a plan, you know, at, at this point or this stage in the game, I'm going to need to market these bulls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's something, you know, when is the right time? You know, I think you let numbers decide that. Um, but I think that, you know, that was uh, one of the main things. Uh, I mean, Mike Hartman. Like I said, I respect him and he, he sure helped me along the way. And he told me years ago, uh, the key to making a, a purebred or a breeding stock operation work is to have a bull market. Uh, because you can go, a lot of people can sell females for really, really good money. And unless you have a really good bull market to market your bulls, it's going to be hard to make your operation you know, work financially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting piece to it. You know, I you flip through catalogs, you see people post on online, and it's just interesting to see you know the the operations that um, that do have a very successful breeding program that don't have uh, a bull sale or anything like that, and uh, that's kind of 
kind of an interesting topic to, to bring up. I think is there's, like I said, there's been some breeders out there that have been doing it for a while that, that don't have a bull sale. Um, and probably part of that too could be, um, you know, a bull market issue or, you know, just depending on your location, things like that. But, uh, really kind of an interesting topic there. Um, yep. so next, next, uh, subject will probably be a little bit of a fun one because, uh, of just the story and the run that this, uh, particular heifers had. Uh, the one I'm talking about, Sarah's dream and, and, uh, uh, you know, a heifer of the decade nominee, um, a heifer that won just a, a ton of shows. Um, I kind of want to talk about her story and, and kind of what it took to get one fed for that long and, and just to keep her looking right. Um, for the period of time that you guys, uh, ran her, you know, across the country showing some, um, mm-hmm. love to hear the story on that one. Sure. Well, that heifer, uh, of course, uh, Colburn out in uh, California raised her. And uh, it seems like there's no secrets in this. You know, when, when it gets to be fall and there's a good one somewhere, people hear about them. And, uh, you know, I heard about that heifer and I flew out and looked at her and really, really liked her. So uh, we wound up buying her and brought her home and and uh when we got her home i think we knew we had something really really special um and we we kind of at that point uh we weren't doing a lot of the jackpot showing with our angus cattle we kind of focused on you know the larger the rov angus shows the junior national and that sort of thing so when we got her home we kind of geared her up uh from the from the time we got her back uh, to get her ready to take her to Denver as a calf. Um, and like I mentioned, you know, with feeding the bulls, uh, we always try to keep our show heifers maybe just a little on the greener side. And that helps make the long haul. That that helps getting one ready to show in Denver as a calf. And like uh, 5116 did, she showed there as a calf. She showed there as a big heifer. And one of the key points of doing that is to try to never get her too fat. Mm-hmm. So we geared her up. We showed her in Denver as a calf uh, that first year. And she was very popular. She won her division. Um, after that, we wind up taking her to Fort Worth where she was reserve champion. Um, and then we kind of stayed the course and, and went to those um you know, ROV Angus shows, uh, I think we went to Baltimore after, after Fort Worth was our next show. Um, we kind of, we left her at home, didn't take her to the Indiana preview show just so she'd be fresh and we didn't have to get her, uh, say for the Indiana preview show, you know, we didn't have to feed her a week before or so to get her, you know, to get her looking 12 o'clock for that date we kind of just focused on that junior national and uh it just it just happened to work out for us to where you know she looked apart that day and at junior nationals and um but that was the kind of target that we had up to that point um so when we would come home from those particular shows uh we would focus on like after junior national okay, we sit back and we're like, okay, we're going to go to Kansas City. Or I'm sorry, we had the state fair right after that. 
Um, so we come home from junior nationals. We adjusted her feed ration uh, to maybe pull her back a little bit. Uh, that way we could keep her, try to keep her as fresh looking at our state fair as she looked at junior nationals. And, and every time we'd show her, when we'd come home, we would regroup, look at what our next target was and just kind of change things up and see what we needed to do, uh, to have her ready for the next one. So, uh, the main overall key, like I say, you know, even when she was a calf going to Denver, I mean, you want them to look their part, but you don't want to ever get them overdone because it's, it's very, very hard to freshen one up if you get them too far along in terms of condition. Now I do want to get a little tech technical because I would love to know um, if it's not locked up in a secret box somewhere. I would love to know how you keep one together. And I know, like you just said, it's a matter of they, they're green and then you work them up through their maturity. Um, but as far as feeding those, traveling all over the country and still hitting your target show for maybe the inexperienced feeder, what's the groundwork that they need to build off of? And how, what kind of ration do we need to make sure these cattle have? That way they stay fresh and they don't melt when you get them back. Well, I've preached this for years to people that I help feed. Even back when I was helping people come up with rations for steers to show at state fairs and at Louisville and Kansas City. Keep it simple. Um, with females. You know, they need to have a high fiber diet. Uh, it needs to be a balanced ration uh, with, you know, I'd say balanced ration and maybe even a higher protein ration than what you'd normally feed. And that'll help, you know, keep some of that fat burnt off of them. Um, but it's not, it's, I don't think there's any secrets to it. It's just, you know, high fiber balance the ration um if they start to look like they're getting too much condition uh you know you'll need you need to back them off even more in terms of their energy if there's some energy in the feed that they're getting um you know like 5116 her whole life at my place she didn't eat much corn at all i mean there was corn in her feed i'm saying uh, very, very little, uh, that she would have ate during her show career. Hmm. And that's, I mean, that it, it's, it's that simple. And, you know, people, well, how do you do this? How do you get their belly so big without getting them fat? Well, you, you know, it's fiber. And that's, I don't think it's a big secret. I think there's a lot of good cattle feeders out there and, and they're doing the same thing we did. Um, some of those people choose to, to get them a little more fleshy than what, what, what maybe we maybe do, uh, but that's just their, you know, they can do that at their discretion. Um, but also I've seen some of those guys get them too far along and we've done it too. We've, I'm not going to say we haven't, uh, you know, we've, we've had some in the past that we thought maybe their bellies need to be bigger. So we're going to, we're going to feed them a little longer, feed them a little harder. And then that, that fat went to their chest or, you know, went to their pones and, and so we've, we've done it too. Uh, so I don't care how experienced you are. You can, you can get one too far along, but just keep it simple. And, and that's what I used to tell people with steers. And I think, uh, 
the females is the same, you know, a, a high fiber diet, a lot of hay. Uh, these females, when you have them at home, get them in a big lot where they can exercise. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's what we do. We just try to keep it simple. No doubt. So, okay. I, I gotta know when you, I mean, you flew here to California to, to look at this heifer. I mean, yep. did you, when you first saw her, was it like a, I gotta have this piece, uh, kind of, kind of feeling or what was, you know, you, I just feel like you can't go in and buy a heifer like that without just really, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I knew that day, the day I left there, Cash Langford was working for me and I called Cash when I left that driveway and told Cash that that was one that we had to own. Yeah. When you so, know, you know. I mean, it was, yeah, when you know, you know. And, 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 you know, she got, she got back home and, and, uh, um, Probably the only time that heifer did not look, uh, probably I'll say it this way. When she looked her worst was the first five or six days after she got off the trailer ride from California. (laughs) And once she got, once, once she got over that ride, um, we reclipped her. She was, she had been clipped and then she had, her hair had grown out for about a month or so or three weeks. And, uh, um, we reclipped her, and from that point on, she really never had a bad day. Wow. Hmm. The good ones don't, it seems. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and she – I remember when we showed her at the Indiana State – Austin showed her at the Indiana State Fair. Um, Chan Phillips was one of the judges. And that heifer would stand there, and I've not seen very many like her. Austin wasn't even holding up on her head and she was just standing there with her head held as high as she needed it to be and just standing there chewing her cud. <laughs> and to, to today you could drive out in the pasture and she'll walk off and give you a profile shot and hold her head like that. And Chan said that day, she knows she's good. Yeah. <laughs> and she, and, and it's weird because it, it's almost like she does. It's almost like she knows you're looking at her and she'll just stand there with her head up in the air and just right out in the pasture, just the same way she did at the state fair that day when Austin was showing her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, she knows she's that good. So yeah. <laughs> it and seems she's like- been fun. You know, the, the, the show ring is, is a big part of what we do and a big part of what a lot of other people do. But the more important side of that is, what she's doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she raised the bull that I think is, you know, I think is the best bull I've ever owned a part of or a piece of. Uh, we showed him one time he was reserve grand in Fort Worth this year. Um, and he's a full brother to Faris Heifer that was reserve grand in Louisville. There'd be insights out of her. So there's been a lot of cattle that's win won a lot of banners that just fall off the map after they get turned out to grass. Yeah. And this one has been, I mean, she's, uh, herbsters, uh, who own part of her, um, they won the cow calf show or, or Ed and Mandy, uh, Razzle 
their daughter won the cow calf deal at the junior nationals this year with an inside out of her. So her progeny is working. They're going to make an impact, you know, maybe not the impact. Maybe there will be one out of her that made the same, can make the same impact that she made, but they're pretty consistent and they've done very, very well. And that, that, in my opinion, more important than a banner. Mm. Yeah. That's, that, that's probably not talked about enough um, in some of these show heifers or any breeding females in the, in the show livestock industry is, you know, where is that one at right now uh, when she's been, been in her working clothes and, and what's she doing right now? And when you hear something like that with Sarah Dream, Sarah's Dream 5116 to, to go out and continue to put banners out there when she's at home doing, doing the work. Uh, that it's, it's just cool to hear those stories. And, uh, I'm glad, uh, Corey put this on, on the topic list here because, um, just look how that trip to California has paid off since. Yeah, it's, it's been really good. And, and, you know, with her, it's, it's, I think some of the guys who, some of the guys who judged her, when they judged her, they talked about something I mentioned earlier, her being functional and her being practical. And that all ties back to her being successful as a cow. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's probably nothing freaky about that heifer. And that's that show ring term that so many of these guys want to use. But the guys who used her when they judged her, you know, they called her a cow. They called her cowie. They called her functional and practical. And those are the kind of females that I wish more guys out there judging would use because then you would see more of them that win a banner, produce calves that could win a banner like Sarah's Dream has. Hmm. Okay, so this actually brings up another topic. And this, do you think as a breeder – is it is it more difficult to make the freak or make the fault free one? Mm. Well, I think it's more difficult to make the fault free one. Um because you take you have to take uh you know, genetics is a big part of it, but then also your environment. Right. Um, from, from the time that baby calf hits the ground, uh, everything needs to go right. I mean, you could, there's probably been so many, I, I, we probably had them here that's hit the ground that have been, you know, super fault free and functional that maybe the calf got hurt. Maybe the calf recipe cow didn't milk well. I mean, there's so many things that tie into that. And, I don't know the freaky ones. You almost have to breed to make that kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I guess that's just something we don't try to do <laughs> here. I mean, we try to make them good, but we don't try to make them, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to have one trait that is just way out there. Freaky. Um, so 
So I guess to me, it's harder to make the fault free one. Cause that's what we're trying to make, I guess. Right. So that's, that's why I would answer that that way. That's a good question, Corey. I think well, it was a stumping. I, you know, yeah, that's a, a very good question. And, you know, I'll go back to the days we were trying to raise club calves. Um, and, and I guess this makes me think your question, think, think about your question a little more because then we were probably trying to make them a little freakier than what we are now that we're raising breeding stock. Um, but the problem we had back then was instead of a 97 or 8% calf crop, we were lucky to have a 70% calf crop trying to raise the freaky one. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I, that's a tough question. And I, I, I'd say there's, you could ask 10 people that question that are raising cattle and they're going to, they're going to probably five of them are going to tell you one way and five the other. So that's, that's a very good question. You know, it's such a, it's an interesting debate and yeah, I just, it kind of made me think about, you know, um, because, the you know the registered breeding cattle side of things and 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 the club calf side are are a little bit different in the end game and uh you know because somebody trying to raise show steers probably isn't concerned with how one milks or or uh you know whether we can have a calf naturally or not and and then the other the, you know the of that is you know is a uh, is a cobra neck big-legged sound good footed one that's big belly you know do you call that a freak or do you just call that a good one you know right yeah it's an interesting comp all right trevor uh that this this talk kind of leads into our breakdown segment uh here before we wrap up so yes it does and i'm looking forward to it Brought to you by Brad Howe Ford. We love our friends there in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, killer lineup. I was dabbling on their website because uh, guess what? I have to do more work on my truck. So low-hanging fruit once again, Brad Howe Ford. And so should you. If you are in the market for an incredible vehicle, Brad Howe Ford is the place to go right there in Kokomo, Indiana. All right. Thank you, Brad Howe Ford. Trevor, uh, Trevor blew up back into his this pickup before we headed to Des Moines for the uh, the the big pig show, and uh, it was kind of an interesting trip there. And I but. also found out this morning that I've got a cracked rim, so there you have that. Nice vehicle. So you're the paying paying for them, or you know, enjoying them. Yeah, and I guess that's what you do when you drive thirty thousand miles in a year. Yeah, so. You probably should look into getting some rental vehicles, just a side topic. Anyway, yeah. um, Barry, uh, <laughs> we're going to break down uh, donor cows. And and in this segment, you know, we, we just kind of pick a topic and we we break it down uh, a little bit further than just saying, oh, yeah, the XYZ reasons is why you should do this or think this way. Um, so we want to break down the donor cow because breeding and selecting – emails that you want to build on is not something that you should take lightly. Uh, in in your experience uh, with, with some of the females that, that you've been a part of, um, you know, what goes into the selecting of those donor cows? And then uh, on top of that, how do you evaluate just how much you want to put into one? Um, you know, cause there's lots of opportunity to flush multiple times and uh, continue a legacy of one. So, uh, I'll kind of leave the floor to you. 
Um, the way we do it is any of these cattle that we've shown, um, after they have their first calf, we'll flush them a time or two. Um, and depending on, you know, what their first calf looks like, uh, we might go, you know, we might keep going and, you know, we just talked about Sarah's dream and we just had such high hopes for her, um, that, you know, we, we started flushing her and, and we just, we haven't stopped. Um, we like our donor cows to carry a calf at least once every 12 months. So what we do is, uh, when we select those cows, um, we will leave them open and flush them for, for one year. And then we try to get them bred back. But during the selection of them, um, you know, it goes back to your phenotype genotype. Um, if you're trying to raise show heifers, uh, and if you have a, you know, a particular mating, uh, say you showed a female and, and, uh, were successful and you knew potentially this female needed or could use just a shot more muscle, uh, and you had a bull in mind, uh, that you think that mating could, uh, generate you some revenue, then in our program, that's, that's kind of how we do it. If, if we think we could mate that female, um, basically to mass produce progeny out of that female, um, then that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will do them, we will give them a chance and, uh, I mean, we've had cows here that we flushed at one point and they've got overshadowed and five years later we put an egg in them because we've progressed or that cow did not do her job. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest mistake people make when it comes to donor cows is if they're not working, don't flush them. If you're making embryos that you don't want to put in a recip cow, then why are you flushing that cow? Mm. Um, and I think that's a big question, you know, to, to ask yourself if you have an embryo program and, and we've done it. I mean, we've, we've flushed so many cows around here that, you know, we'll get these prime matings that we want to put in, want to put in. And then the next thing you know, two years later, we have this mating and it was like, well, why, you know, we shouldn't have done that because that mating is not, is, it has not been important enough for us to want to get in. Yeah. So that cow is probably not a cow we're going to flush again. Hmm. So, and That's then we, we have cows, we've, we have flushed, you know, they, they don't all work. Um, you know, fortunately, like the Sarah's dreams has worked, but you know, I've always I've always said, like when we select our show heifers, ultimately you want them all to be donor cows. But I, I say you probably better work on about a 50% target range because about 50% of them show heifers that you show are going to make a donor cow that's going to make you money. There's probably 50% of them that's not going to make you money whether if you flush them once or 10 times, I mean, they're just, they're just not going to work. And I, you know, in, in our experience, that's what we've come up with. So there's going to be some trial and error when you're selecting your donor cows. And, um, I know we've had that here, but we just try to focus on the, the phenotype and, 
and now that we're we're digging into this EPD thing, you know, we 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 do the same thing, but we just try to improve that uh, that number profile and make it more balanced when we're selecting our donor cows for our for our EPD cattle. So I'll tell you what, as soon as they figure out how to IVF or reverse sort semen in the other ruminant species, meaning sheep and goats, uh, you know, we, we, I speak for myself too, are very jealous of that capability. And I think when it comes to selecting donor cows with the option to, you know, either create specifically females or, or maybe shoot for, you know, uh, a bull calf, man, it's, uh, it's a pretty neat card that you have to play there uh, from that standpoint now do a lot of guys um when you're when you're looking at donor cow potential things like that you know i feel like there's there's times where somebody will just go buy a donor or buy into a cow or be it you know create a syndicate group things like that um how much does that play into the caliber of donor um versus you know just a, a show heifer um you know, that you're looking to, to generate, you know, more like her, um, from that standpoint? Well, you know, if it, I, I struggle with this because, and then this will get off the donor cow topic a little bit, because if you, if you go to someone's place or come to our place, when we're getting ready for our production sale. And there's a few heifers that you're like, well, boy, she's going to make a good show heifer. She's going to make a good show heifer. And then you might get on down the line and there's one that's a little bigger bodied and bigger bone and a little plain in front of it. And people say, well, that one will make a good donor cow. Hmm. And that doesn't make sense to me because the best one is the one you want to mass produce and you want to use to reproduce. So, uh, if these groups that buy in on these cows are buying in on the best ones, whether they were shown or not, them are the ones we need to be flushing and we need to be mass producing, uh, whether if they're the best one by phenotype, if they're the best EPD one, if they're combined, I mean, that's, them are the ones we need to use. So, um, you know, if you're wanting to make show cattle, flush the best show heifer. If that's what you're wanting to do, if you're, you know, if you're wanting the, the, the best EPD cow, then you need to look at those two, those EPD cattle are the ones you need to make. So I guess that whole talk about this one's a good show heifer, but this one's a better donor cow. Um, I struggle with that because the best one is the best one. And the best one is the one that needs to be the donor cow. So, you know, pick, I think it, as an individual, or as a program, you need to know what you want to raise and have a target of what, you, what you're trying to produce and what you can market. And those are the kind of cows you need to select and pick to make your donors. Hmm. Makes perfect sense. It goes back to the being simple, keeping it simple. <laughs> oh. Yeah, exactly. The good ones make good ones. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's, uh, We've said it around here for quite some time. Um, you know, you buy a $2,500 heifer 
and you take her home and make a cow out of her and you're probably going to raise $2,500 calves. And so the ladder progresses, so does your potential. You know, you, you buy one for twice that much. You're, you're, you're kind of setting your bar with, with the cow that you choose to, to be your donor cow. Right. She's only going to allow you to get so much quality. And then, you know, she's, that's all she's going to get. You're going to be able to improve her a little bit by the sires you choose, but you're not going to be able to, you know, you're not going to be able to take one that she's only going to have so much potential and, and therefore the quality you choose in your donor cattle, you know, you're only going to be able to improve them so much with, with the mating that you pick. Right. So. Legacy Livestock Imaging is a proud sponsor of Stock Talk Podcast. Guys, I'm so proud to be friends now with Heidi and her wonderful husband, Charles Anderson. They not only are great supporters of the industry and the podcast, but they're doing great things uh, in the photography arena. If you are interested in senior photography, wedding photography, or just need your livestock pictured, whether it be at a show or in your operation, Legacy Livestock Imaging can do it all. Go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com and learn more today. Let's get back to the action with Barry. Well, we are uh, getting close to wrapping up here, and we'll ask uh, the question that we have asked every guest in 2020, and that one is, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while being involved in the show stock industry? Wow. Well, it's you, you. You have to be passionate for it. I don't know that that's, that's a lesson, um, but it's it's a must. Uh, it's it's something that we 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 live for. It's something we do every day. Um, and your hard work sure pays off. I mean, there's we've been fortunate in terms of success in the show ring. Uh, but I think we've learned that that success has come from a lot of hard work, uh, whether it was myself or, you know, the many, many people that's, that's helped us, uh, uh along the way, as far as doing the work at home before you get to the show. Um, you know, that work pays off and it's hard to wind up at the backdrop without putting that work in, it, it doesn't happen very often. So, you know, I'd say that's a, that's a pretty good, uh, pretty good lesson and something sure that we've learned in the, in the show industry that, uh, you know, you're going to get out of it, what you put in it. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. Yeah. And I just something you touched on earlier about the, the younger people and, where I was at one time, uh, you know, helping the people that helped me throughout. I mean, you just always got to want to better yourself. And, you know, we've had many, many good people come through here that's helped us throughout the years. And I appreciate every one of them. And they've, a lot of them have left here to go on to be successful themselves. And I think that's awesome. And that, that's what this whole thing's all about is, you know, if you're 
18, 19, 20, 25 years old and you go to help somebody and eventually want to get to where they're at, that's the drive that you have to have. You know, you, you have to always want to get better. And if you, you know, if you don't, you're, you're going to hit a wall and that's where you're going to wind up. So, you know, just, I just wanted to say that and say that I appreciate all these guys that's been here that's helped us throughout the years. And, um, they've, it's, it's been good and we appreciate everything they've done for us. You bet. Takes a village, as they say, uh, to continue success. And we, uh, we wish nothing, nothing but the best for you guys as you continue to push forward. And thanks for jumping on the show today with us. We've been, uh, been good conversation hopefully uh hopefully folks are are um, debating back at home uh over some of the topics we talked about and i I think that'll be uh that's what this whole thing's about so thought provoking stuff uh from you and uh appreciate the time well i appreciate the opportunity uh Corey and trevor you guys uh have a great day and travel safe thanks barry we'll see you all right see you down the road well, I'm glad you got that one lined up, Corey. He is a very interesting guy to talk to, and uh, I love the Sarah's Dream uh, comment there. That was a good, good topic. Appreciate yeah, it you. Was. And and just like thought, like I'm still thinking about some of the topics that we talked about because there's a lot of different ways that a person could could go with some of that conversation, and uh, I'd be interested to seeing what uh, you folks at are uh, listening to us have to say about some of that um, really thought provoking stuff there. Pretty interesting conversation and uh, could not be uh, more thankful that Barry took the time out of his busy schedule to get uh, linked up with us here on the pod. That's right. We also appreciate you guys for being patient. Our store is still under construction and I promise it'll be worth the wait. The stuff is incredible. We just have a few more little tweaks to do. We're ready to roll. Also, mm-hmm. uh, thank you to our scholarship people. They are still, yeah, we're reading letters. We're looking at videos. It's not an easy decision at all. So got a lot of stuff, as always, going on. It's a uh, county fair season, state fair season, if you have it, or alternatives, whatever. Uh, but we are excited, uh, nonetheless, to continue through our great adventure called Stock Talk Podcast. We couldn't do it without any of you. Please send us your breed one, ship one, show ones. Uh, that is now our listener outreach. So yeah. send Good us a snap. Breed one, ship one, show one. Yeah, it's a lot more fun, actually. I like it. Mm-hmm. A lot of fun. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you in just seven days. <laughs>